It's time to get after it. You're going to jam your legs down and hyperextend your ankles and then shoot back up and lock your knees in place. Not one of those things sounds right to me. What's going on, gang? This is Jack Anderson, your host of the Upper Left Performance Podcast. And today, we're going to be starting our series on So You Want to Be a Strength Coach where I'm trying to get a bunch of young strength coaches um, a platform to talk about their experiences thus far in the field, uh, how to get into grad school, how to pick the right grad school, um, how to make the most of your experience while you are in grad school or undergrad even, um, and then how to get that first job. Those are some of the topics I think don't get talked about a lot by young strength coaches who are currently going through the process themselves, and I felt it very important to discuss that in at length over a series of podcasts. So the first, we got my buddy Colin Kolash. Colin was a guy that I met while uh, helping out the Washington Capitals with their off-season and preseason testing uh, over the last couple of years. He worked as a GA at the University of George Washington in D.C., D.C., baby, the DMV. That's where Colin's from. He played lacrosse uh, and then went on to work at G-Dub. And he was fortunate enough, after finishing up his ma- his master's degree at G-Dub, to work for Lindenwood University in St. Louis, Missouri, where he just wrapped up his first year. It was cut short, obviously, due to this whole coronavirus nonsense. Um, and so he was able, kind enough to come onto the show and discuss his experiences in his first year as a young strength coach full-time, and then also his path to getting there and what he did to ensure that he could get a good job coming out of grad school. Uh, Colin is a top-notch dude, one of the best guys I've ever met uh, in the field. Uh, Very generous with his time and always willing to learn and discuss and talk shop. So without further ado, this is Colin Kolash, everybody. Colin, what's going on, my brother? How you been, man? I'm doing well with all this this madness. How you doing? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I you know, you just told me the good news that you've uh, you're you're still gainfully employed. So I guess in this this time, especially with our profession, you know, given the nature of it, in light of the coronavirus and everything, you're actually really uh, you've really been uh, quite fortunate, huh? I I have been. I woke up this morning and my day was made about a few hours into the day. So <laughs> I'm okay right now. That's good. That's good. Um, so take me through, you, obviously, this is kind of something that I've been wanting to do for a while is just gather the opinions of about three or four young strength coaches, um, not that I'm much older, but three or four strength coaches that have been in the, in the game for, you know, one to three years who can kind of help out some other young coaches that are either looking to get into the field or are trying to uh, make their way or maybe a few years behind where you're at. Uh, um, so that's kind of like what my thought process has been with all of this. And I really wanted to get your take on, on getting that first job in college. Cause I think, you know, we just talked about, I think you've done a great, did a great job uh, in your GA time um, planning your next move and just getting, making sure that you, you had a, a path in the field. Cause I think a lot of strength coaches really struggle to find that. I know I did coming out. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, that kind of all started like, my first year as a grad assistant, um, I had no idea what I was doing and I'm not going to say like, I know everything and I know what I'm doing right now. Cause I still don't know what I'm doing sometimes, but, um, 
our, my boss, uh, Matt Johnson, it was kind of cool. Like from day one, he forced us to network, um, both in the internship, excuse me, and our grad assistant. He forced us to reach out to coaches. And like, I think young coaches can agree at first, you know, kind of cold calling any coach in the field or cold calling anybody is kind of like nerve wracking. I mean, I'm sure you felt that before too, like sending out an email and be like, Hey coach, you know, my name's Colin. I just want to kind of talk and, and kind of get to know what you're doing. Um, so we did a lot of that, like in my first year, both the internship and my grad assistant. And I think that kind of helped pave the way um, to get my first position. I mean, just kind of putting myself out there, talking to different coaches about whatever it is, it could be strength conditioning related or not. Um, but that kind of got my wheels turning, you know, during my first year as a grad assistant. And then going into year two when things kind of are becoming real and I'm either going to be unemployed really soon or I'm going to land a job. Um, my other boss, Todd Hammer, was very helpful and just like, again, telling me to put myself out there. Um, we'd go to conferences and he would kind of force me to go up to different coaches and kind of introduce myself, um, put me in those situations. And so, I mean, honestly, like I would say from day one as a grad assistant, I knew that was something I had to start doing. And I'm really fortunate that both of my bosses throughout the two years um, forced me to. And then it made things so much easier when I started applying for jobs and interviewing. Um, feel a little more comfortable doing that. So, you know, I'm fortunate for them to, to push me towards that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, I feel the same way, you know, because I, I did not get that kind of pressure when I was in grad school. Like a lot of what I, I did, I think, like I had good people around me, but I, sometimes I don't think I knew the right questions to ask or I, I tend to be someone that can be very independent. So I didn't rely on people as much as I probably should have. And so I didn't ask some of the right questions and I didn't get um, comfortable reaching out to other coaches from around the country and networking and, and establishing something that would provide me with a job when I was done. So the fact that, you know, and, and I know, I know Todd a little bit, coach hammer. And um, obviously I think, you know, we know he has quite the network and, and, and yeah. amount of connections and the fact that he kind of, I'm sure even helped you provide that um, or get that platform for around other coaches was huge. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's big time walking around just, I mean, walking around with him at a conference, he knows literally every corner we turn, there's like, Oh, Hey, hammer, hammer, hambone, all his nicknames. And they'd always, <laughs> uh, yeah, they catch his attention. And then I happen to be next to him. He said, Hey, you know, this is Colin. He's second year grad assistant. He's looking for a job. Like he's literally as blunt as that. But again, like him even allowing himself to do that and helping me was awesome. Because, um, I mean, like I said, it, it is hard at first to like throw yourself out there and just kind of randomly reach out to coaches or anybody and, and say, hey, like my name's Colin, you know, what's up? It's, it's not easy sometimes. I mean, now it's a lot easier just because, you know, I feel like I've done it a million times over. And yeah. so a lot of people in this field. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was special to be around that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I still, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I've recently gotten much better at reaching out to coaches over the last year. And, um, it's still, sometimes I'll just be like, Oh, I'm kind of nervous. Like, I don't want to do this, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know, for whatever reason you're afraid, like you're, that you're going to get shut down or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're going to look like an idiot if you ask a dumb question or whatever it is, you know, and, um, I've certainly gotten much better at it, but it does take a lot of reps. It takes a lot of practice. Wouldn't you say? No, absolutely. And I like, at first I thought the same thing. Like when you talk to coaches, they're going to think, Oh, like I asked a super question or they don't want to talk to this, whoever it is. Um, 
what I've learned and it's really cool. Like a lot of coaches in this field are not like that. Um, I would say way more coaches than not are more than willing to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And especially now, like it's kind of cool. I mean, with everything being shut down, which sucks, um, you see all these coaches on social media, like opening the doors and saying, Hey, you know, if, if anyone wants to just have a phone call, a Skype or whatever, you know, wide open. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like our field is, is shifting towards that. And we have a lot more awesome people than not um, yeah. to network with. That's been really cool to see. Yeah. I feel like there is quite a big shift on, on that front. Um, I think the days of the, uh, the old school meathead kind of style strength coaches. And, and, and honestly, I think there's, there's pros and cons to either end of the spectrum here. And I, and I don't think that that side of the profession should ever go away, but yeah it does come with a little bit of that alpha male, leave me alone type feeling. And I do feel like that's kind of gone away and we're seeing a bunch of young strength coaches that are just much more willing to communicate and, and collaborate with each other. Yeah, no, man. I mean, I see you, I see uh, Connor. I've been following him for a little bit. I see you guys have started to collaborate a little bit. I know he's someone who's always seems like more than willing to talk to people defend his points or, or talk about whatever. Yeah. So I agree though. And I think that comes from, like me personally, if, if I started reaching out to coaches again a few years ago and they weren't answering me, um, I would probably honestly be a little less inclined um, if people reach out to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. their positive influences made me want to do the same thing and kind of give back. So, um, yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny how that works because, I, I, you know, sometimes you see coaches and I've worked with some sometimes they're like, well, this is the way it was when I was interning or cutting my teeth in the game and everybody kind of just took a shit all over us and made us clean the gym and, and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to do it too. And I'm like, it's funny how you, you know, you mentioned that like if, if you don't have, if you don't aren't, aren't in that atmosphere, you're much less likely to perpetuate. Uh, honestly, I think like the misuse of interns who might have perfectly good brains for this field, you know? No, absolutely. But again, I, <laughs> I'm so fortunate to like everyone I've reached out to um, for the most part, they've always kind of welcomed me with open arms and yeah. welcome conversation. So, you know, again, I, I love doing the same thing for everybody. Um, but yeah, a lot of good people in the field. I can say that. Yeah. A hundred, hundred percent, man. Yeah. And I, I, I was thinking about this today, actually just thinking about the last year of me really like getting out there and putting my name out there and talking to other coaches and, at first I found it to be like, a, I was afraid of being disingenuous because obviously I have certain goals. Um, there's things I want in this field and obviously I'm reaching out to have those goals be met to some extent, but on the, on the flip side, there's a lot of other things that can come from this. And if you come with the desire to learn from someone and the desire to have a conversation with someone and to, and to grow and have fun with them, um, a lot of times the byproduct is you, you end up getting the goal that you want or the, the hookup or connection you want to get the job that you want or the, whatever it is you, you, your goal is, you know? Yeah. I mean, people aren't stupid. They can tell, they can read between the lines. If you yeah. call and you're looking for a job, like so easy within the first 15 seconds, you know what I mean? You can kind of tell that. So you're right. Just being genuine and, and talk with people, building relationships. I mean, things, yeah. Ultimately at the end, your goals might come out of it, but, mm -hmm. uh, it absolutely shouldn't be the intention going in. So, yeah. and, it, and it's funny because I think uh, in talking to a couple coaches right at the beginning of this, like I was pretty frank with them about like, you know, this is kind of like new for me. Like I'm not used to this and I'm going to be honest, like there is like a path that I want. And I think you can help me with it. But at the same time, you know, also coming forth with the other things we just talked about, it made the conversation that much more genuine. 
And one of the coaches I was talking to about this goes, you know, man, like you're doing it right. Like, it's fine. Like, this is the way you should be doing it. You should be coming to me, asking me about what I do, uh, what advice I can give you, all that other stuff. Um, and he goes, and you'd be surprised how many coaches just come to me and say, can you get me a job? And I was like, wow, the bar is that low for me to beat. He's like, yeah, man, it's really not that hard. Just be a good person and don't just come in guns blazing. Like, can you get me a job? <laughs> that line has ever worked, ever. No, but, but it seems to be being used a lot. So I was like, oh, okay, like I'm doing fine. Like I'm never going in there asking that kind of question. So. They're entire, entirely missing the target there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely. Now, let's get into your first year here at Lindenwood. Um, yep. Obviously, cut short definitely sucks. But um, what have you kind of learned? Like, we've talked a ton about some of the stuff you were trying to implement. What have you learned? Like, maybe a couple takeaways and things you'd like to do better uh, for next year. Yeah, man. Um, first, I want to say, like, Lindenwood is, is in my opinion, biased or not. Um, we have the best staff with the most cohesive staff the best athletic department, in my opinion, in the freaking country. Um, from day one, everybody's just willing to help and is willing to, like, whatever you need, whether it be a sport coach, administrator, um, my immediate coworkers, everyone's willing to help and kind of be there for each other. And it's a unique situation because you do see at a lot of schools, it's not entirely like that. Um, you kind of get there and the staff may not all get along, may not agree with everything, but um, – I stepped into like the perfect situation, in my opinion, and could not be more thankful to be at Lindenwood. Um, it was kind of nice. I mean, before as a grad assistant, like, you know, your time is coming to an end at wherever you're at. And that kind of sucked. Like, you know, you're in your final year as a grad assistant and you're like, Oh, well I'm gone at the end of this year. So, you know, it's kind of hard, like not to check out a little bit, but coming into my first full-time position, like the end I don't see an ending in sight and that's mm -hmm. kind of nice because I know all the work I put in um, can last for years and years and I can continue to build on that for years and years. So that's been kind of like a cool thought process. Um, so kind of when I came in, like I took a little bit more ownership than I think I've taken, you know, as a grad assistant, which was cool um, immediately, you know, coming in, building relationships um, from scratch because again, as a grad assistant and, coming from an intern, like those relationships are built really early on and they're built originally as me as an intern. So I felt like, you know, some people viewed me as like the intern Colin or, you know, they viewed me a little differently, but where I come into Lindenwood, it's kind of like a fresh start. Um, you know what I mean? So building relationships just from day one um, was really cool with the athletes and the coaches. And then, yeah, man, I mean, I've been fortunate. I haven't had a ton of difficulty or a ton of challenges this year. Um, again, compared to a lot of people I know have them in the field, my sport coaches have been incredible, um, fully back everything I've tried to implement. Um, we can get into the training loads cause that's something that I know, um, you and I chatted about probably a couple months ago, but, um, they've been super open and all that stuff. So again, it was a pretty seamless transition, um, doing that. And then I work with lacrosse and hockey. So two of my favorite sports, one of them I played and then you know, hockey's my favorite sport. So it's yeah. kind of easy to work with that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been really seamless. It's been honestly like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, you know, the, the position I'm in, I feel very fortunate to be in. So that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, I think we talked about that when you, when you got the position, just the size of the staff, um, the level of care, it sounded like they had for the athletics, athletic department there as a whole from the school, 
the fact that you're, I think it's so good that you're working with a limited number of teams instead of having to deal with six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams. Uh, it just makes such a big difference because, I mean, the bottom line, you know, like we're, we're going to talk about in a second, I mean, we're dealing with human beings. And if we, if we turn this thing into an outpatient PT clinic where we're just, okay, next, 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 it just doesn't work as well. Yeah, man. And, and you see that everywhere. You see, you know, you see strength coaches with six or seven teams. Like I feel for them, but it's so hard to build a real relationship with every single athlete on all six or seven of those teams. It's so hard mm -hmm. to do with so much to think about. So you're right. Like I have three teams. I mean, I see these athletes so much, but I only, I'm only in charge of what's that hundred athletes total. It's not that hard to get to know every single one of them on a more personal level, as opposed to just, you yeah. know, name. um, so again, it's unique and we're a division two school, probably the only division two school in the country that has a staff of 11 people. So, yeah. um, a lot of people to learn from too. I mean, like I said, it's just a, it's a really good situation and I know it's one that a lot of people aren't lucky enough to be in. So, well, Hey, I mean, the more we can speak to the, um, the efficacy of a system like that at the lower levels, and again, money will always be an issue, but I think you could start to persuade more and more people to kind of, you know, consider that option uh, rather than maybe oh, like pay sport coaches, you know, a huge amount of money. I mean, I've seen that before at certain, certain institutions and that, and again, you allot your money the way you want and there's value in every, in what, you know, everyone generally brings to the table as long as intentions are good, but yep it is a possible alternative to bring in a few more strength coaches because I do think, you know, a good strength coach is just acutely aware of things that I think sometimes a sport coach can overlook. And at the lower levels, we have to look at kids more as human beings than vehicles to our success as coaches. You know, I mean, I think about like we just said, I think our profession can help ourselves there. Um, if we want to make our profession get to that point where we're hiring more strength coaches and making more positions. And I think we have, a lot of control over that as a profession and if all of us can kind of pitch in and do our thing and prove to sport coaches how valuable we can be um again not just making people bigger faster stronger but making people better human beings and yeah just making the student athlete experience as best as it can be um i think one day we can get there i don't know how long it could be and i could be naive in saying that but i don't think that's totally out of the question um and i hope we get there I really no, do. And I, I think, I think it is possible because I think people are starting to see, even in, if you look at just general population um, and you look at the route of like, you know, a future fit, I don't know if you or the audience is familiar with that, but like an online training platform where they're trying to integrate, um, you know, that into like a health insurance plan or something like that, like proactive measures that don't wait until someone needs surgery or something like that, which is honestly more expensive ultimately. So if people start to realize the value in, in, in just being proactive with their health and performance, I, I think it will make a, a, a huge difference. And I think if schools that get on board with that are more, I think more likely to, you said it best, I think more likely to provide a positive student athlete experience. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, that's actually the first thing Todd Hammer, I think told us was like, our job as strength coaches is not necessarily to make the best athletes we can, but it's to enhance their student athlete experience. And sometimes that's, that's not making them bigger, faster, stronger. Sometimes it's yeah. Yeah, just talking with them about whatever and making their day. Um, 
and that's our job. And again, the better we can do at it, the, I mean, possibilities are endless. I think at some point down the line. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you're a coach and I think I'm definitely one of these coaches that cares a lot about performance, sometimes more so than the human side, I started to realize that if I, if I can shelf my desire to just worry about the athletic side so much and focus on what we're talking about here, the byproduct is they end up doing better in performance anyway. So hundred percent. Yeah. It, it pays itself off. So one day we'll get there, but yeah. And I mean, it's always, it'll always be in, in progress. Yeah. So, so take me through, um, uh, before I let you go, take me through uh, kind of what you did with the, uh, the the training load monitoring this year. And I know you talked a lot with the sport coaches about it. Um, did you end up finding value in it? And were you able to help bridge the knowledge gap between you and the sport coaches on it? And like, what, what kind of shook out with all of that? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, thank you for educating me on all of it because I probably wouldn't have rolled it out at four. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty pleased with how it went. Um, Again, being a D2 school, like introducing these things like training loads and, and load management is is a new concept, to be honest with you, with a lot of the coaches. Um, I know at some power fives, like that's a pretty common thing or having heart rate technology, things like that is pretty common. So bringing it up at first, um, it wasn't the easiest. You know, they're kind of looking at me like, well, you know, why are we using this? What is this going to do for us? But um we tracked it for about three months until our season just got cut short. So um, I do daily tracking. I get their practice RPEs and then their training RPEs and then the session duration of both. And I put together weekly reports. Um, I get down their, their chronic workload over time. So it's going to be a little bit more accurate as we go on through the weeks. And then I would put together a report with their acute to chronic every week and send it to the sport coaches. Um, that's how I operated with it. and kind of before I started rolling it out, I met with um, both coaching staffs and lacrosse staffs um, a couple times before. And I just kind of told them why we're doing it and why I see value in it. And I told them and I made it clear, like, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. You guys are the coaches. You do what you want with this data. I'll explain to you what it means. If you guys want to make changes, go for it. If not, like, you know, again, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a useful approach. And, and again, both staffs took to it pretty well. Um, you know, they, they asked about it pretty frequently, maybe on like a weekly basis at practice, they'll come up to me and say, you know, Hey, got a lot of guys in the red today. Like, what does that mean? Um, just stuff like that. And again, who knows how far it could have went throughout the rest of the season, but at least got the wheels turning in terms of yeah. getting, getting them to think about, you know, what they're doing, getting them to think about how their athletes are responding to what they're doing. Um, cause again, I don't fault sport coaches for not thinking about that, but the reality is, a lot of them don't think about that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's the first thing on their mind is, hey, you know, Johnny's training load is way too high today. Like, we need to dial it back. No, they're thinking about the game you have in two days, how to prepare for it. So yeah. I try to make it as, as honestly, as, like, dumbed down as possible. Um, and I thought, I thought, I was pleased with it again. Collected a lot of data and got to educate them a little bit. So next season when we have, like, a full year with it and I can start it up in the fall, I'm hoping that, you know, it gains a little bit of traction, but yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing is cause like we talked about you, you'd talked about maybe doing trimp scores via, uh, and, and, uh, via what was it? Uh, first beat. And, yep. um, I know you ended up going the other route with the session RPs and I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like the more I read about this stuff, I, I read something today from Evan Pacon. I, th I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, who's very into a lot of this monitoring stuff. 
And I'm, it just seems to me like as long as you are consistent with the modality that you choose, you're going to be fine. I don't think there's a gold standard of load management because every standard we use is going to be arbitrary. It just is what it oh, is because yeah. there's so many factors. So the fact that you pick something as simple as that is just going to make it that much easier for you down the line, you know? Yeah. It was a lot of money too. Um, I got to say the hardest part, to be honest, was educating the athletes on like what a true RPE is. Um, Cause a lot of them have no, or had no idea what it was before I tried to introduce it to them. And that was kind of hard, like getting them to truly understand like, you know, Oh, you put an eight today. Do you know what that truly means? You put a 10 today. Was that truly the hardest thing you've ever like, you know what I mean? So yeah, educating them was kind of tough at first and I'm happy they kind of, they grasped the concept of it rather quickly um and i think it got more accurate over time once they kind yeah. of yeah well and i think you know we talked about that with there are a lot of studies that show that this this style of rpe load management is maybe if potentially more accurate than using you know external numbers or 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 more hard data that we can get from a catapult or whatever but there is going to be a month acclimation period for the athletes to get used to the scoring system and what's hard and what's not yeah and the technology looks sexy so i mean and that's, yeah, that's, that's the battle we're always going to fight. The technology looks sexy, but again, like it's all arbitrary, man. If we could find something that's cheaper and easier for the athletes to handle, or how are you handling that? Actually, that's actually a good question. Um, so obviously they have to fill these things out. Where are they filling it out? Like, is it, how convenient are you making it for them? Yeah. So I messed around with a few things this semester. Um, we started off, I created a Google doc for, for both of the teams mm -hmm. and all they had to do at the end of the day was put in um, their practice RPE or game RPE, depending on what they had that day. And then their training RPE, if we trained mm -hmm. and I just told them like by the end of the day. So when I leave work today, I want every single one of them filled out. Um, realistically being college students, that's not going to happen <laughs> for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what I ended up doing is if training was the last thing they had that day, I would have them come directly to me and report it to me. Um, if practice was the last thing, I would go out to practice and collect them. Um, that's kind of what we ended with because a lot of the time it was just, again, college students being college students, forgetting or whatever. So it ended up working out well. And like I said, it'll be refined. And once, once the athletes get more bought into it, I think that'll help too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're still learning. So, I mean, I don't blame them. I'm not, I don't blame them at all. I mean, if I was in college and I was doing that stuff, I would probably forget a handful of times. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I track my own, and there are some days where I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know, so like, no, exactly. But um, I just stayed on top of them, and the compliance was pretty high by the end of the year. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, me texting guys and telling them to send it to me or whatever. But um, well, yeah, that's, so that's the beauty. Like you learned, I think you you have to be real proactive about getting them to give it to you. Like we can provide them with an app or whatever, but. The bottom line is, is they're just not going to, they're yeah. not going to, they're not going to go remember to go to the app unless you're sending them text reminders or whatever. So you might as well just go to them yourself and collect this data. You know? Exactly. I, mean, I, I want to make things as easy as possible for them without spoon feeding them. Um, I, I, I don't want to make it a burden on them. So, I mean, if that means I have to stay an extra couple minutes and, you know, text people and get them to send it to me, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what, that's what I was doing with my, my military guys. Cause I, I ran that for a couple months uh, prior to leaving there. And I just had a group chat again. I don't like the group chat to some extent because it influences what some guys are going to say their RPE was, but it was just the easiest way. So I just boom, you know, 
threw out, you know, okay, I need everybody's training, you know, scores from today. And then I just boop, 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 boop. And I just get them all. And then boom, good to go. You know, like anything, I think over time, like again, years from now, hopefully we're still doing it. Um, it might be part of the culture. Like, Hey, everybody, before you leave locker room, you know, put in your RPs or whatever. I mean, like yeah. anything, I'll take time. I yeah. get it, but I see enough value in it where I want to keep doing it. And the sport coaches do as well. So, um, we'll keep doing it. Did Sucks it, um, do you think it allowed you to, to, um, have conversations with some athletes about like, just in general? Like, I feel like for me, that was the biggest thing. It just gave me more points of reference to have a conversation about training and, and yeah. competition. A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, I remember there were a few times this year, like where we'd have a cross game and we'd absolutely smoke the other team. But you know, me being, me being me, I was like, Oh, they played a game. They're probably gassed. I see their RPEs. They're, you know, fives and sixes, like not as high as I thought they'd be. So we come in to train the next day and say, Hey guys, like, we were planning on it being a pretty, pretty easy day today, kind of recovery day to get you moving again. Um, but maybe we can ramp it up a little bit today. Um, so kind of like scenarios like that. And yeah, like if I'm at the game and I see that someone doesn't look like they're straining at all, but they put a friggin' 10 down in the RPE, like it does open up an opportunity to say, Hey, like, what's the deal here? Um, yeah. you know, is it that hard? Are you hurt or whatever? And yeah, I mean, I probably found some things out that I don't know if I would have otherwise, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's another part of it, like you said, is... I think that's the most important part, to be honest. I mean... Oh, yeah. The bottom line, the bottom line is, is we need to figure out... It, everybody's going to have an individualized training response to whatever the prescription was that day. So, you know, I, I think unless we start to understand more about what's going on in, internally with each person from whatever standpoint it is we're looking at, the prescription's always going to be more general than we want it to be for each person. So we're going to have to have these conversations just to kind of try to dig deeper and do the best we can with the generalized prescription we're giving them, you know? Yeah. And hopefully it's less generalized over time. If we notice one group's responding way differently than the other group, well, again, somewhere down the road, you'd hope like you talk with sport coaches and we kind of alter maybe what they're doing at practice one day. Cause you know, this group is a lot more fresh than this group. You know what I mean? Like I think it opens up avenues for that. Um, and again, that's my hope you know, within the next however long I do it, um, to have those conversations and hopefully speci- or, uh, make it a little bit more specific to the athlete. Um, but I mean, it's college athletics. A lot of things are generalized, whether we want to or not, just because of the volume of athletes. But um, yeah. 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 No, man, this is great. Before, before letting you go, um, just kind of maybe some words for those strength coaches that are just a couple years behind you looking for that job. Um, just kind of just whatever comes to mind just to kind of help them get through this time and to, to know that there's some light at the end of the tunnel for them. Cause obviously this is a competitive field. Yeah. Um, I would say make the big time where you are as cliche as that is. I think that that's so important regardless of what you're doing, whatever your responsibilities are, whatever position you're in, um, do the absolute best you can. I mean, give people zero reasons not to hire you. Um, if you can do that, I mean, obviously you're more likely to get a position, but wherever you're at, just kind of do everything you possibly can in that position. If you're cleaning, if you're an intern and you're, you name it, like anything you're doing. Um, and then during this time, obviously we all have a ton of downtime, which sucks, but, um, use this time wisely. Don't just piss it away and sit around all day and sulk. I mean, you absolutely have the right to feel how you want, but we have a lot of time, um, in the coming months to really learn and reach out to people and 
I think our profession can take a big step forward in this time, to be honest. Um, both young coaches, old coaches kind of connect and, and learn and make everyone better. Yeah. I think it's a big time and is, I, I don't want people to piss it away, even though it sucks. I mean, it is what it is and there's nothing we're going to be able to do to change that. So do what you yeah. can now. If you're young, reach out to people right now. I mean, every strength coach in America has not much to do right now. So, you know, that's what I would say. <laughs> no, you're, you're a hundred percent right, man. I think, I think that this is a great time for, for people to do reflection, to do some reflection and, and to, to connect and collaborate and, and whatnot, because I do feel like in our whole society in general, I mean, we're always just running around like with our chickens with our heads cut off. So yeah, good, time have- to, good time <laughs> to downregulate, bro. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. So. Well, I mean, you can only do it so much, but I don't know, man. Hopefully this time goes by quick. Cause it's nice talking to people virtually, but we got to have some damn human contact. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. This is uh, – hopefully not, neither of us can go stark raving mad uh, in social isolation here. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know who's going to go mad first, me or you. But. <laughs> well, uh, the people will know if it's me because now we're really cranking on this podcast. So they'll hear the, they'll hear the breaking a few episodes down the line. But um, <laughs> Colin, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate your time. Um, really excited to kind of put together this – this string of uh, interviews with, with young coaches out there. I feel like oftentimes we don't ask young coaches about what it's like to be a young coach. So um, really appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, good. For sure. For sure. Take care, buddy. Yeah.